Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Every pitch is your pitch. The greatest show on dirt. Omaha! Omaha! Deep to left field. Way back there. Gone! A grand slam! Over! Wins the college world series! Now, they can add college baseball to their trophy case. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. I'm Mike Calabrese, and this is our College World Series special as we head to the cavernous confines of Charles Schwab Field in Omaha, Nebraska. That's going to have a major impact on some of these teams that have been living and dying by the long ball. We are down to eight here in college baseball, so we're going to run through all the matchups in bracket one and bracket two. That, of course, means Wake Forest taking on Stanford, LSU playing Tennessee, TCU playing the Cinderella of the NCAA tournament for baseball. That is Oral Roberts and Virginia against Florida in a number two versus number seven matchup. That's incredibly interesting. And we're going to bring in the top ace, top of our lineup, top of our bullpen, top of our starting, pitching, rotation, however you want to fit into the lineup here, Colin. You did such a great job for us in the last episode. To quote Leonardo DiCaprio from The Wolf of Wall Street, you were handing out fun coupons in the form of winning bets. You were on Oral Roberts, who won 23 of 24. Let me get started with this. How nervous were you when they blew that huge lead to Oregon in game one? Did you lose any faith, or were you just with the Golden Eagles the whole way? Listen, when you actually play sports, especially something like baseball, and you get on a huge streak, whether that's you at the plate or whether that's your team in a winning streak, and you lose – an 8-0 lead and you lose a game like that, you either have the chance to respond and then go out and win the whole damn thing, or you have a chance to fold. And I really thought in game two that Oral Roberts was going to fold. I mean, we're catching balls on the outfield fence and dropping them. Uh, we're trying to give the game away. That, in all actuality, you know, when we came on this podcast last week, I said, I've got Oral Roberts minus 200, minus 180 in all these games. I watched all three games. They were better than Oregon. They were flat out better in a hostile environment. They have the better pitching staff. They have timely hitting, but they looked like a deer in the headlights with a rowdy, pale, non-town Eugene Ducks all over them all weekend. So I'm glad that they pulled it out. I'm glad they cashed for the pod. 
Uh, they move on to face TCU where we took a future on them on the podcast last week. So it's kind of played out perfectly there. But those two are definitely Cinderella when you look at these eight teams. Just a programming note for our audience. You're listening here to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. But we are going to shift over to the Action Network podcast next week as we detail the national championship final, the best of three between the winners of bracket one and bracket two. So let's hop in. Let's start at the top of the board. Wake Forest is, you know, continuing their dream season. They're back in the College World Series with a chance to win. They're plus 275 in the futures, and they could become the first number one overall seed to win since 1999, the very first year of this current format when the Miami Hurricanes won the whole thing. Top to bottom, they can really hit six players in the Demon Deacons bat over 300. Another one bats 299. They have three all-ACC first-team pitchers, which is just absurd. Josh Hartle, great cutter. That's what I noticed, you know, watching him and some of the highlights from this year. Sean Sullivan, the Northwestern transfer, was a great get, get for them. As a lefty, he has an interesting arm angle as well. And then, of course, the number one guy in the rotation, Rhett Lauder, He's been phenomenal, two-time ACC Pitcher of the Year, 15-0 this year, ERA of 1.92. We talked a little bit about the curse of being the number one overall seed. They're able to get out of their you know, super regional. Now they come into Omaha. Is the pressure off a little bit in terms of not no longer having to play in front of their home crowd, no longer carrying the expectations of this is the dream season, you have to at least make it to Omaha not to be considered a bust? Is there any kind of psychological advantage now that Wake Forest lands and also draws a Stanford team that, let's be honest, they were lucky to sneak past Texas in Palo Alto, you know, winning with that kind of weird blue pop fly game winner that was a heartbreaker if you're a Longhorns fan and obviously a great moment for Stanford I believe this is their third straight ticket to the World Series so what are your thoughts on that first matchup between Wake and Stanford I, I mean like focusing on Stanford Texas there's a reason why I've you know been writing about college baseball for years for Action Network and the number one thing I talk about all the time is fielding percentage and if you don't think that that matters go watch the end of Stanford and Texas it's college baseball. This isn't MLB. There's no such thing as an easy double play. There's no such thing as an easy throw from third over to first. Uh, I mean, again, you know, these are kids that weren't drafted at 18 years old. They weren't scouted at 15 years old. So fielding percentage absolutely matters. But when it comes to Wake Forest, I don't think they're feeling anything. I mean, I know that they had the read, they hosted the regional, they hosted the super regional. They're very comfortable at home, 30 and three at home, but they're also 16 and six on the road this year. And I think a big key element that you and I need to talk about on this podcast with all of these matchups is the park dimensions. TD Ameritrade is huge. It is spacious. It is 375 in left and right center. It's got a center field wall at 408. It's got foul poles at 335. There is 52 feet between home plate and the first row of seats. It is gratuitous in foul territory. So what you're going to see in the market, and, and as you know, Mike, as you and I are doing this, there's no totals up in the market right now, but we were used to seeing 12, 14, a couple 16 and a halves during supers. That's gone. If you see anything above a 10, it's probably too high. If you see anything below an eight, which you won't, then it's probably too low. But for the most part, eight and a half to 10 is where most of these fall. Check in on the weather. The wind is going to be below 10 miles an hour all for the first week. And then if you check, you know, the wind direction, that's really important in Omaha because it can switch and go left and right. But as far as answering Wake Forest, I don't think they feel any pressure whatsoever. They are absolutely dominating. Only one game, that one game against Alabama, other than that, almost every game they've had hasn't been decided within 12 runs. They're an absolute machine right now. 
Speaking of a team that relies on home runs, let's stick in bracket two. LSU plus 380 to win the whole thing. They were just hitting homers left and right out of their little band box down there in Baton Rouge against Kentucky. They hit seven home runs in two games, scored 22 runs overall. But they come in here with arguably the most dominant pitcher in all of college baseball, Paul Skeens, 188 Ks and just 107 innings worth of work. And then the top of their lineup, it's not just the ability to hit the ball out of the park. Dylan Cruz sets the table. He's been 433 at the leadoff. Tommy White slugging 750, and he's three shy of 100 RBIs on the season. And then they got four more hitters behind him, all batting over 300. So LSU cur- currently, I would argue, has the best offense and the highest upside of the eight remaining teams. But do they have the depth from a pitching rotation you know, perspective to be able to go 3-0 and or 3-1 and and punch their ticket to the College World Series final? No, they don't. And and I hate saying that because I love LSU and I love the offense. And Dylan Cruz is going to be the number one pick in the MLB draft. And Paul Skins is going to be taken in the first round. And he is the national college player of the year. And there's a reason for that. He's going to absolutely dominate a game. The problem with this LSU team is that their head coach, Jay Johnson, he is he's just dead set on not allowing anyone to know who the starting pitcher is going to be leading up to the games until an hour before first pitch, you still might not even know if it's going to be Ty Floyd or if it's going to be Paul Skins. And, and that is, you know, a really huge handicap because the biggest bugaboo with this LSU team is their bullpen. Their bullpen gives up a lot of runs. This offense, I hate to say anything bad about the offense because they're second in the nation in home runs per nine. They're second in slugging, second in on base, but they're also 162nd in doubles. They don't hit a lot of wall bangers. And when you get to TD Ameritrade, it is a it is not Alex Box Stadium, and you have to be able to hit, move runners, advance runners, have a couple sacrifices. You just can't be relying on home runs, and that's where I worry about this uh, LSU team. Although Dylan Cruz, uh, you know that he's probably going to get walked. I expect every pitcher uh, in this bracket to uh, be walking him. But when you put out the numbers against Tennessee. It doesn't matter that the number is already inflated in the market right now. I believe minus 170 to minus 180 is what I'm seeing out there for LSU in game one against Tennessee. That number should not be above minus 140. If it's Ty Floyd going, that number is more around a pick to minus 115. But it doesn't matter if it's Andrew Lindsay or Chase Dollander. LSU is inflated in the market because of the perception that Paul Skeens has got to pitch. But once you get past him, oh, by the way, Tennessee saw him back on March 30th and had no problems racking up a bunch of hits. And, and, and I know it was seven innings. It was good ball that he threw, but he, they were hittable. Tennessee could hit him. So we'll see how that plays out because after, after skins, I don't know what else LSU has to make a deep run in this tournament. Speaking of Tennessee, help me kind of figure them out a little bit. Cause they're sitting here at plus plus seven fifty to win the national championship. But prior to this run, they were kind of a middling SEC team. They finished 16 and 14 in conference play. They got shut up by AM in the first round of the SEC tournament. And then they turned it all around. They've won five of six. They beat Charlotte twice in the regional to advance. Then they came back from a game one loss to Southern Miss and Hattiesburg and won eight, four, and five, zero to close it out. And when you look at their team, potentially when you combine it with the park that they're pitching they're pitching in their power pitching unit their second nationally in strikeouts second nationally in staff era my only question is do they have enough offense to squeeze by if their pitching staff really brings it in this game because jared dickey is their only all sec pick he was second team and he only has two hits in his last five games they really need someone like him to you know carry some more weight for them in their lineup do you think the balls are a live dog here right away to win game one 
I do. I've already placed a bet on Tennessee. I like I want I'm going to be placing a larger bet on the run line because it is priced about 40 cents too high on LSU. And there's a couple of advantages that Tennessee has in this matchup and that they have throughout the College World Series. Uh, you know, LSU and Tennessee have the same fielding ranks, but it's important to to know that, you know, Tennessee uh, is second in the nation in earned run average for the staff. And they're also second in the nation strikeout to walk ratio. And you say, well, how do I know that that means anything? So I went and posted an article like a month ago. What are the key stats that determine a, co- a college baseball World Series winner? It's strikeout to walk ratio. The average rank of all of the champions over the past 15 years in strikeout to walk ratio was 19th in the nation. You have to have an entire staff that can strike out just as many as they face and way more than they walk. Right now, Tennessee is second in the nation as a staff in strikeout to walk ratio. So it's not like they're ultra dependent on one pitcher. They have a full staff. Can they hit enough against Paul Skins? Probably not. No, not at all. Against Ty Floyd in the in the bullpen? Absolutely. So that's the key. We'll see who the starting pitcher is, but I've already bought Tennessee because no matter if LSU's throwing their ace, it's still overpriced. Okay, before we go any further, as a reminder, Big Bets on Campus is presented by BetMGM. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. 
Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. So let's hop up to bracket one and this matchup between TCU and Oral Roberts. I think this is fascinating. I'm actually a little bit shocked to see the price differential between these two to win the national championship being so stark. TCU 8-1, to Oral Roberts 22-1. to Yes, Cole Klecker looked as good as he's looked all season against Indiana State. He was masterful there for the Horned Frogs. They they were gifted home field advantage in that one. And my big concern is this. You talked about moving runners over and playing a little bit of small ball. TCU's 49th in team ERA, but they walk a ton of guys. 178th out of 305 D1 teams in walks issued. Can they keep pace with an Oral Roberts team that is just blasting, you know, teams offensively? When you look at what they've done, as I mentioned at the top, they've won 23 of 24 straight up. Their team batting average is six nationally at 322, which is phenomenal. And then they have a, an absolute killer in Jonah Cox. Their center fielder has been great during this postseason run, batting 400, two homers, nine RBIs in six games. And he's on a 47-game hit streak, the third longest in Division One history. So when you put all this together and you look at the Golden Eagles team ERA at 3.97, that's seventh nationally, to me, I think they should be favored here. And the fact that you're on the other side of the bracket from Wake Forest, I think is a bit of a gift. So am I too bullish on the Cinderella here? Am I getting wrapped up in the emotion and the narrative? Or should they be favored over the Horn Frogs? They absolutely should be favored. I project Jacob Hall in the first game, whether it's Cole Clucker or Cam Brown going for TCU, I make it exactly minus 195. And, you know, I've gone through it before. This is based on runs per game, base runs, FIP, XFIP, bullpen, expected innings pitched. I've, I've got Jacob Hall getting to the uh, to the seventh. I've got Cole Klecker not getting through the fifth. And Cam Brown for TCU not even getting to the, out of the fourth uh, if you look at their season averages. But I think the thing that you, you, well, and you talk about TCU walking a lot of players. How many times did Oral Roberts score runs in Eugene because they were walked all inning? I mean, they took complete advantage of that. And if it happens again against TCU, they're going to score a bunch of runs. But the biggest difference between these two teams, uh, and by the way, before I, I call out the biggest difference between these two teams, Oral Roberts is number one in the nation in fielding percentage. I mean, this is a we, BBOC is a fielding percentage podcast. Oral Roberts is number one in the nation, right? So there's 16th, that ultra, you know, can you win the College World Series? It, it depends on strikeout to walk ratio. Oral Roberts is 16th in the nation. They have checked the boxes everywhere you need to be to be a threat to win here. Now, specifically against TCU, where is the huge discrepancy? You mentioned it, Mike. I mean, you you can't be ultra-reliant on bombs when you come to TD Ameritrade Park. It's just too big. And But really, the biggest difference in this is the bullpens and the staff ERAs. TCU comes in at 71st. Oral Roberts comes in at 16th. When you do a combined ERA, FIP, and XFIP average, TCU is 1.1 higher in the number than Oral Roberts. This should be Oral Roberts minus 190. I said it a week ago. I'll say it again. The market, just the, the odds makers, the market, and betters are just not respecting what the praying hands of South Tulsa are doing. From Tulsa, Oklahoma to a matchup of two Southern schools, Virginia against Florida. They're both 7-2 to to win the national title. I'm going to start with my thoughts on the Wahoos here. They lead the nation in batting average. They're first in doubles by a wide margin. You bring up, you know, the power alley and what you want to do in this huge ballpark in Omaha. They're seventh in runs. They're not a home run team, but they are a big inning team. And you saw it in their five-run second inning to close out Duke. I'm just going to walk through what they did in that inning. 
a double, a walk, a ground out, single, 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 another walk, a single, a walk, and they hit into a double play. They get five runs out of it. That to me seems like the formula to be able to go out and break a Florida pitching staff that can be really strong. Now, on the other side, UVA has had a strong staff the entire season. Their third and team ERA at 3.64, 15th in strikeouts. And of course, the nation was introduced to Stephen Shock as their closer. Kenny Powers 2.0 minus the substance abuse. Eight saves on the season, ERA of three, 52 Ks and 36 innings. I love the guy. Everyone who listened to him wax poetic about dipping dots and everything else during his postgame speech, I think fell in love with him as well. And then the other side, you have the Florida Gators who they're, I would argue, the 800-pound gorilla in this matchup. They spend the entire season more or less in the top three in the AP. They have such a balanced lineup, and they have the collegiate version of Otani in Jack Caglioni. 81 Ks in 69 innings pitched, 31 home runs, batting 336, and he hits like 97, 98 on the gun. No big deal. So Florida probably has, you know, more of the top end talent, but Virginia as a team, I feel like is playing better team baseball right now. Am I seeing this matchup in the right way? Because as I mentioned, with both of them at, sorry, nine to two, not seven to two, plus 450 to win the national title, is there more value on either one of them or should you go with Virginia? I have Virginia winning this game in game one against Florida, but I expect with the depth of Florida's arms, what they have, and you mentioned all of them, uh, they have enough to go through the loser's bracket and really give TCU and Oral Roberts uh, slam shut the Cinderella slipper. Uh, Florida has way too much pitching. Uh, I mean, when you have position players that are making 16 starts and throwing, you know, X amount of strikeouts, it's, it's pretty impressive. The depth, and really that calls out the depth, right? Oral Roberts and TCU do not have the depth in the pitching to hang with Florida, who on day three, four, or five of this marathon absolutely does. Now, when we talk about a head-to-head matchup of Virginia against Florida, I was shocked to see what my projections were, again, based on base runs, based on uh, runs per game, based on FIPS, ex-FIPS, and projected innings started. I've got Brandon Sprout as an underdog to Connolly Early, who who may not be the game one starter. I'm pretty sure Nick Parker is going to be the game one starter for Virginia. So Virginia over Brandon Sprout would be minus 165. Nick Parker over Hurston Waldrop would be minus 165. I don't think it's going to be Hurston Waldrop. He'll probably get game two privileges of thinking that they'll make it to the winner's bracket. But no matter how you slice it, I have Virginia minus 165 favorite in this first game. Uh, And I'm a little shocked myself that it's that high, but when you look at the fact that Virginia averages 8.4 runs per game, Florida is more than a half run lower than that. When you look at bullpen ERAs, uh, it just <laughs> Virginia beats them in every single category. And if we're looking for someone to win this bracket, this team is number one in batting average. This team is number one in doubles per game. Extremely important in a cavernous park like TD Ameritrade. And oh, by the way, our all important. Strikeout to walk ratio, Virginia is fourth in the nation. So when you talk about national champion contenders, that you always have to focus on that. They have the better staff. Florida's 30th in strikeout to walk ratio. There's nothing that wrong with that. It ain't too shabby. 35th in staff ERA, not too bad. But you're not Virginia. And your offense does not hit as many doubles or advanced runners in the scoring department. They're 33rd versus Virginia's eighth in scoring There's just too many boxes that that, that Virginia has the upper advantage in this. So give me Virginia with, you know, the odds that I I say should be higher than what they are. So you're painting a picture for a journey for the Gators, potentially losing, you know, right off the bat, but then surviving in the loser's bracket and potentially pushing and still giving themselves a chance 
to get to the College World Series final. So they're a team because of their depth overall in their arms that they could weather a loss in game one. What's a team in you know the final eight here that absolutely has to win right off the bat for them to feel comfortable about getting to the championship? That's a great question because when you look at the arms, if Stanford goes, you know, if Stanford lines up against Wake Forest and they throw Quinn Matthews, who just threw 156 pitches and dominated the Super Regional, if they, when Stanford uses that card, if they don't get a win out of that, it, it's, they're it's toast. yeah, they're toast. It's gone. Uh, you know, I, I don't think TC and Oral Roberts have the depth to hang around at all, but Stanford is really the one. If you don't cash in against Wake Forest using Quinn Matthews, it's going to be rough. Now, Joey Dixon pitched, I don't know, I think, what, maybe 20 pitches, 15 pitches in that last game against Texas. So I don't think that he's going to be taxed or tired if he does get the start against Wake. But once you, you don't want to take Quinn Matthews into the loser's bracket, you probably want him to throw right away. And if you burn that card and Wake Forest beats you, it's going to be a quick tournament for Stanford. So what I'm hearing from you is that Wake and Virginia are your winners, the two brackets meeting in the national championship. At this point, if you had to offer a third team to say that there is just great value or you're interested in, you know, kind of hedging your bets a little bit, who's your, you know, we'll call it two B pick to be the third team kind of messing around with a chance to go to the final. It'd be Florida. I think, I think Florida is close enough to Virginia. And, and the deal with, with that is that you've got to get to their third and fourth starter, right? That's where Florida's power is, is that they have more arms and more appearances from stronger guys in the bullpen and the stoppers. But when it comes to a starting pitcher of Connolly early and Nick Parker, that's a bad combination. Now it's the same thing with Wake Forest, right? After you get past Rhett Lauder and Josh Hartle, the pitching really falls off from a starting perspective. They go the Tampa Ray, Tampa Bay Rays model where it's like two innings by everybody that'll come out. That's the only game that you're going to be able to snatch on Wake Forest. As to where you go down to Virginia and Florida, Florida is the number, the team. If I had to swap out one of these bracket winners, it would be swapping out Virginia for Florida because Florida has the arms. One last question for you in terms of putting together your bets, whether it's single game to advance, you know, to win the national championship. Are there any managers of the last eight teams here that are just a plus, for lack of a better word, and really do a great job of either managing their staff or playing small ball or, you know, making those tiny adjustments throughout the game? Some of it can just be as simple as really understanding how to manage a rotation, as you just mentioned, kind of going the Tampa Bay Rays model and using, you know, a, a de facto third pitcher by committee. Is there anyone here that stands above the rest in your eyes? Well, I think two of the best head coaches here, and, I, and uh, you know, I guess it's time for me to mend that bridge across the Mississippi River um, uh, from Arkansas to Tennessee. Tony Vitello is fantastic at managing his bullpen, managing burns, managing, you know, how long Dollander is going to go, how long Lindsay's going to go. Seth Halverson has been one of the best closers in the nation. Uh, that staff is managed very well. I have a lot of respect for Tony Vitello and how he manages that team. But I think the one that's above him is Ryan Fulmer for Oral Roberts. Um, you saw pitching changes after each out for each batter uh, against Eugene, against Oregon. And that tells me that we've got a head coach that has every single stick on the opponent's side scouted, and he knows which arm in his bullpen matches up because I saw Ryan Fulmer make a walk out to the mound like every 60 seconds in Eugene, but and, and every decision he made was the right one. So if there are two teams that definitely have a coaching advantage, I've got Tennessee winning their first game against LSU. I've got Oral Roberts heavily projected over TCU in game one. 
This has been the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. A reminder to our audience, we're going to see if we can fit in an extra episode here on BBOC next week. But for certain, we're going to be moving over to the Action Network podcast to do an in-depth preview of the national championship, that best of three series, which is starting a week from Saturday. So be sure to flip on over on your podcast app of choice and make sure to listen to that to download and to subscribe tell a friend and tell an enemy you know how we do here at bboc for colin listen i'm mike calabrese thank you so much for listening and best of luck with your bets action network reminds you please gamble responsibly If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.